Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. As I was walking um, a few weeks ago in the Forest Preserve, which is where I talk to God quite a bit, I was thinking, okay, about this particular message, and I said, okay, God, really, do you want me to speak on this again? And the resounding answer was yes, and it was immediate. And so then, of course, I thought of you all sitting here, who some of you have heard this parts of this message before in some of the um, Summer at Thrive sessions that I've done, other things. And here's what was surprising that came back. The question he asked me was, can they share it with somebody else? And so that's the question that I feel like he has given me to ask you. For those of you who have heard parts of this before, can you share this with somebody else? So for those of you who have not heard this message, let me give you just a brief background why I am so passionate about this particular area in I'm going to do a Kevin because he always reaches down and gets his water. So, uh, right? Doesn't he? <laughs> right in the middle, you hear him gulp. And anyway, so I'm going to be doing this. <laughs> there we go. I'm here for you. I'm serving, but you're going to pay for it. So anyway, where was I? Oh, oh, oh. So here's why I am passionate about this. When I was at Trinity Seminary, I did graduate from there. And at that time, I ended up getting involved with a prayer group run by an Evanston Vineyard pastor. And he was going to school to get his Master's of Divinity. And in this prayer group is a friend, and she's still a friend today. But as we were praying for her, she started sharing how she grew up in a satanic cult. And it was the real deal. And there was abuse and there was sacrifice, and that's all I'll say in this mixed company because I don't want Eden traumatized or any other child traumatized here. But it was um, absolutely, um, it was horrific. And as we walked with her through this and her healing process, I was able to get front row seats with regard to how the spiritual, how the enemy interacts with us and how he fights us, how he tries to scare us and bluff us. And so I'm going to share some of those pieces today with you. The other thing that happened at Trinity was at the exact same time, they had this course by Timothy Warner called Power Encounter. And he was there giving this message because what happened to him as a missionary is he was sent over to literally to a country in Africa and several villages there to share the good news, right? And so he was equipped with how to be cross-cultural, great cross-cultural missionary and all of that. Well, here's what happened. He started encountering things, unseen things he had never encountered before and he wasn't prepared for. And so he came back to the United States and said, you know what, we have got to up our game here. And so they gave him a class. And the first part of this message has to do with what he shared with me. So what I'm going to do is start with three worldviews. Do you have your little handout? I know. Oh, there we go. Rich, thank you very much. So there, he talked about three worldviews. 
And um, the first one, I don't know if there's a slide for that, but um, I did not coordinate that. There we go. The Western worldview, it's, uh, the slides are going to be a little different than in your handout, so I'd follow the handout. But in the Western worldview, it's really the scientific or the realm we see. Here's what happens. In the U.S., there's the physical realm, right? That's the little, the people at the bottom. Then those of us who are believers believe in an overall God, right? And so there is a God we worship, which is what we just did. Now, if you go to Uganda, where my Uber driver is from and has shared many stories, if you go to Haiti or Cameroon or some of these other places, you will experience a whole different world because they believe in a spiritual realm where there are angels and demons. There are angels and dark angels, and they have very real power, as you know. And I would say that nowadays it is here in the U.S. So this idea of the developing countries or it being out there, no, it's not. I just talked to a gentleman last night where he was talking, dealing with a patient, and he kept wanting his voodoo dolls. And he uses them, and there's power in that, as Kelly can attest to some of that in her experience. And she's from Cameroon. Um, New Orleans, you can go to places. There's different places in the United States. Puerto Rico, which is where the mission trip is going to be, there's spiritism. And so we just need to equip ourselves for these kinds of things. So anyway, so my point is we have the heavenly realm and the physical realm in the Western or the scientific point of view in the realm we see. Then there's the realm we don't see. And in developing countries, there's the spiritual realm and physical realm. But here's the deal. In the Bible, there are all three realms. And so if you'll see up there and you'll see in your handout, they believe, and the Bible teaches, there is an overall God, one God, Yahweh, and then you have a spiritual realm, and then there is the physical realm. So that is the culture that Abraham was called out of when, he, when God called him out of Ur. That's the culture he was called out of. Every time you went to a different territory, every time you went to a different people group, there was a different God to worship, right? So I just challenge you, next time you are reading through the Old Testament, begin looking at that through those eyes. And here was the amazing thing about Abraham's God. It didn't matter where he went because it, that God was all-powerful. It overwhelmed any other God in any other people group, any other country. And that was so amazing. That was unheard of. And so they called it your God, and, and the countries recognized it. So again, I just challenge you, as you read the Old Testament, read it through those fresh eyes. It is very exciting. So in the U.S., we now have paranormal shows, right? And we have um, this fascination with you know, the unseen dead and all these other things. There's voodoo practitioners, Satan worshipers. The list goes on and on. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And so my challenge is for us to enter our worlds, enter and look at our schools and our families and the people around us through the biblical worldview and the biblical lens so my question right now is, which worldview right now, as you're sitting here, do you tend to live by? 
which one do you tend to live by? And so just real quick, just your sense, and there's no shame at all, but just be honest, just whisper real quick, okay, this is the, the worldview that I tend to, to enter my world in or my work world in. Go ahead. You have 10 seconds. So now the second thing, so if you go to the second page, How does that biblical worldview impact us? And what does the Bible have to say about this? And this is the the fun part. So Ephesians 1, 9 through 22, Paul says, I also pray that you will understand the greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor where? God's right hand, exactly, in the heavenly realm. So do you love my little drawing there? It's not mine. It's my daughter. She did it. We've graduated from stick figures. Those of you who have been in my sessions, I know you'll be excited about that. So in the heavenly realm, we are now, he is now seated. And I don't know if we have, you know what? I'll just direct our attention to the um, handout here. So... When he is seated there, Paul wants us to really understand. So go and refer down to verse 21. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else in the seen and unseen realms, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And God has put what? Right, all things under the authority of Christ and has made him over, head over all things for the benefit of the church for us. Now, this is really amazing because of what happens this next page. So turn to page three, and this is where it really gets exciting, you guys. I know you can't wait. Ephesians 2, 6, now it comes to us. And God raised us up. So Paul says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So that whole transitive math property where you go A equals B, B equals C, then A must equal C. God gave all his authority to Jesus. You following me? God gave all of his authority to Jesus, and Jesus is right next to him, right? All right, then we are lifted up, and where are we seated? In Jesus, which is right next to God the Father, and so all power and authority that was given to him is given to us. That's the power and authority that we have. And you guys, this is a legal thing. So just like in the natural realm that he has laws, there's the law of gravity and other things, in the unseen realm, there are legal rules that he has put into place, and that is one of them. So as soon as we accept Christ, as soon as we ask Jesus to come into our lives to forgive us, forgive us for our sins, and ask him to lead us, we are immediately transported positionally in the heavenlies, with Jesus, and all authority and power has been given to us. That's what it means when we talk about walking and praying in his power and authority. Because even if you don't believe it, which I didn't for years, I agreed with it, but I really didn't believe it. 
we have it anyway. It doesn't matter what you think because that's what we have. And that's what we want as a church to just lean into and begin claiming and just keep claiming in your, in your prayers and begin seeing amazing things that happen exactly how Kevin just d- described that particular story. Now, in, as I was describing this, Dan and I were um, connecting with a young man and I was showing him this particular description or this chart on page three and this shocked us. He looked at it and he goes, Wendy, I'm not there. I've never done that. And so we asked him if he wanted to pray and receive Jesus and he said yes. And so he prayed right then and there to come to Christ and he immediately was transported. Then it doesn't end there. His girlfriend, he went back and shared this with, and she said, I want that. And the next week, we prayed with her. And she said, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me for my sins, and come and lead me. And there may be some here or in your families that have not done that yet. And I just challenge you to use this or something else to just um, ask them, do they want to be here? Do they want to be in this place? Do they want to be with Jesus for all eternity? So, on a scale of 1 to 10, talking about your authority. Nope, I'm just not there. I can't pray in it. It's really hard for me to do this. Yep, I'm there. I have no doubts. Uh, for me, just so you know, I have had doubts. I said I believed it. But when I prayed, I was always scared that, okay, healing wouldn't happen. Okay, what does that mean then? And I would be afraid. Fear would set in. Well, that means God isn't who he said he was. I'm not sure where my math went. But I am now in a much stronger place where I am walking into prayer and I am walking into my world with that authority. And that's what God wants for each one of us sitting here, right here. And anybody online, that is what he wants for you. And so right now, just real quick, You don't have to share this with anybody, but on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate yourself? Now that we have talked about our side, all right, because if you're combating the enemy, you need to know where you stand, what resources you have, and I'm on the next page, Scheme of the Enemy, page 4. So we know our side. What about the enemy? What's the strategy that we need to be looking out for with this? And just so you know, I am talking about today hand-to-hand combat. I am not talking about cosmic warfare like in Daniel, and we can do that another time and place, but this is hand-to-hand combat that we're talking about in our own lives and in the lives of people around us. So with that, I'm going to read James 1 through 14, and I'm going to share a part of my life that represents how this played out. So in James, again, this is a strategy of the enemy. And oh, this, uh, this quote by Derek Prince, our headquarters are in heaven and the battlefield is our mind. The battlefield is our mind. So in James... 114, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. 
Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So, if I could, but I am not this good with PowerPoint or with Word, is, and if you have a pen, I would draw a very hard line in between the second and the third boxes. Because up until the second box, these are external things that are happening to us. So let me give you an example. So a wound, trauma, or event. Normally the enemy doesn't do that. Normally something comes into our lives that happens. Mine, actually, and you're not going to believe this, did happen with my birth, believe it or not. So you're going to go, oh no, she's going to start telling stories from all the way back then. No, I'm going to skip. Lots of years. But here's what you need to know. My dad never wanted a third, uh, never wanted a girl. He wanted a third boy. And how that got played out into my family growing up was that I didn't feel included. I didn't feel loved by the father, with, which absolutely um, had an impact on feeling love from the father now. And it still does, just so you know. It's still something that I am working through. But not being included is very painful because we were made for community, right? That's what God made us for. So what happened is, all right, are you ready for my math? It's just so inspiring. Um, So I was in junior high, and I was uh, getting ready to go into high school. It was around that time period. And my math went, you know what? I want to feel loved. I want to feel accepted by somebody, somewhere. And so, oh, my earring, excuse me. So what happened is, in my little mind, I said, you know what? If I could only be accepted by this really cool in-group, I would feel loved. Right? Okay, makes sense to me in my mind. And so I thought, if I could just get in that group. Now, how can I get in that group? Oh, if I were just thinner. Oh, that's going to solve all my problems. So if I were just thinner... I would get into this group. I would get the right boyfriend. They would accept me. I would feel love finally, and everything would be great. Okay, right then, Sunday afternoon, 1148 Ridgeland, St. Louis, Missouri. I had just eaten like a half a bag of chips, loved eating. And what happened is my grandfather was coming over that night for dinner. Rule in the house, you have to eat everything on your plate. So all of a sudden, and I did not know this then, but all of a sudden, an idea was planted in my head. Just get rid of it. Just throw it up. This was before bulimia was ever even discovered, just so you know. And I know now that was the enemy. I Fast forward, I never found out about what I had until... 15 years later, and I read about it in a newspaper. That's how I found out I had an eating disorder. So going back to that moment, if you go to your little chart and the tables, I was being uh, tempted because here's what the enemy said. If you just throw it up, here's what will happen. You will become thinner. You can eat all you want and be thin and get all the friends, the boyfriend, or whatever else you want. And what did I say? And what do we say? We say yes. 
And here's the thing is I want you to think of something right now as I walk through this. Where does the enemy have a grip on your life? And it's that area that frustrates you, you struggle in, that you just can't quite make headway in. So as I talk through this, I'm asking you to place yourself, okay, where am I on this chart? Because the first part of combating the enemy, there's an internal piece of getting us whole and then praying for others, okay? So as we walk through my wonderful story, it's so exciting, I say, yes, I do the deed, and I immediately feel, ew, you know what? There was something wrong with that. I look back now and I think, didn't Adam and Eve kind of feel that way? There was something wrong with that, but they didn't see anything immediate. That's the same thing that happened to me. But here's what happened. The enemy, I gave a foothold so that as soon as I said yes, as soon as I sinned, I got put into that third box. And so the question is, like, where are you with whatever particular issue you are dealing with? So as I, um, I said yes, but it wasn't done there yet because he had a foothold, which is a military term at Fort Beachhead. And so then he started coming again and again more often. Well, how about throwing up here? How about getting rid of your food here? And I kept saying, yes, this is great. This is great until it wasn't. Until I no longer had control and it had control of me. And that's what the third one is with strongholds. It now has control of us. And that's what needs to be fought against with. And so as I was a believer, I became a believer in that journey. And here's what the enemy said to me. You are so out of control. And he always says something with truth in it, right? And so I said, yes. My life is out of control. And then here's what he said next. He said, you know what? There's no hope for you. Just kill yourself. And I said, that's a really good idea. And when I hear about suicide, which is rampant, it is the second leading cause of death in our young people next to accidental death. When I hear about suicide, I just want to go, where is the church? Where are we praying for these people? Binding the enemy, coming in and saying, that is not true. And we have got to step up. We have got to fight for our young people. They are at risk. And so when I hear this, and I said, yes, that's a great idea, but I'm also a fighter, and I was a believer at the time, but finally I said, you know what, I'm going to try one thing first. And so I decided to get into counseling and some other things. I will share with that. But here's the basic principle as we go into how to heal is saying no. Because every time I said yes, this is years, decades of saying yes, I now had to reverse the process. Every time I had to say no to that extra bite of food, or, and by the way, I became an alcoholic at the same time, so I had to say no to that drink. And every time I said no, here's what happens. The enemy weakens. The enemy weakens. It is so amazing. 
It is so amazing that that is what it takes. And so it's really hard, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, but I want to encourage you that we do have this authority and this ability and the power of God right behind us. So I want to skip. I'm going to come back to page five or four, but go to page five real quick. And this is about internal, like combating things internally. And so I just want to make... Uh, a comment with regard to in igniting what is one thing that is absolutely critical is igniting an intimate relationship with Jesus. We can banish the enemy, but we still must get rid of our habits. And when Kevin talked about the fire graphic, you know, that we have the flame graphic, that is the first flame for a reason. We have got to be closer and closer to Jesus. We've got to let him um, just come in and begin taking over every part of who we are, which is what I began doing to heal. Um, worship, uh, just so you know, my friend from Trinity, who had to deal with a satanic cult, here's what she said. When she went into her counselors and she was experiencing worship, she said that it was like nails on a chalkboard. The enemy cannot stand it. He cannot stand it. It was talking about, we talked about Jericho. Okay, the trumpets being raised up and blown. So those of you who are in worship, there is, it's not only becoming closer to God, it is painful and destructive to the enemy. And who knew? I didn't know. So then the other thing, of course, is Bible reading. The truth, I want to just mention um, that uh, Henry Cloud, I don't know if any of you have heard of him, but he is a Christian psychiatrist, but he has this beautiful uh, uh, math formula, and it's grace plus truth over time will bring healing. But you can't bring truth into your life until you bring the lie out and over and above ground. So when we talk about confessing our sins or telling or sharing with one another what is going on in our lives, that's what we're doing. We're bringing it into the light so now God can come and begin healing. And that's why counselors are incredibly powerful and helpful. Christian counselors, I would recommend. We have a manual prayer here at Thrive. We have a manual prayer that you can go and get some healing prayer and just have consistent just input from Jesus with regard to some of these inner healing pieces. Um, intercession, I have to say, is huge. I want to give you just real quick story. When I was at Trinity, we prayed around Trinity. And um, there was a group of us in the morning. That night, we had worship. And somebody came running in and said, who the heck was praying around the counseling center? And so being the bold person that I am, I said nothing and let our leader step up and say, well, it was our group. And here's what the person said. I was in a meeting and I was going to terminate the counseling. I couldn't make any headway with that person. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that meeting. Something got transformed. All of a sudden, she started opening up. We started making headway like he had never experienced before. He said, thank you. We, Carly and I, have been praying around Rand Grove. Okay, 
two weeks after we started praying around Rand Grove, there are two brothers that were gang leaders that were just terrorizing the entire community. They had lived there their entire lives since they were a young boy. Two weeks after we started praying, they were evicted. Now, we pray for them and their salvation, right? But God was saying, you know what? To create safety and community in this particular area, I'm going to take them and put them someplace else. And we're beginning to see amazing things happen at Rangrove. So don't think ever that your intercessory prayer doesn't matter. It matters. And it works. And I could tell you story after story, but I won't. I know you're going to be happy. Okay, replace with other positive habits. Um, Just so you know, this is besides going to counseling and beginning to get into groups. That's the other thing is Christian community. That's why we are starting these groups in the fall. And we're going to be working with Rooted is to create this kind of community where it's relationally intensive with an incredible spiritual purpose. So on page four, praying against the enemy. You guys are phenomenal prayers. And if you aren't equipped, go to Jeff's training. Oh my goodness. Please go get equipped, learn, because this church is at a much higher level than most churches that I've been in and experienced. So I just want to say kudos. But here's the two things I would just ask for you to consider. One is that I'm talking about hand-to-hand combat and healing. So now we're praying for the other person. How do we combat the enemy? Emotions are garbage. And that's what rats get attracted to. And that's what spirits are. They are rats. And so what I want you to do is just begin looking. And as you're praying for somebody, what's going on? Listen for emotions. Because normally, the enemy's attached to that. Just prayed with somebody last night, and there was a despair and regret, and we started praying over that. And I'll tell you what happened in a minute. But um, listen for that. Ask them, you know, what they want. Bind the enemy. Here's what I would like you to do. Please bind the enemy so that the um, Holy Spirit has absolute, complete freedom when as you're healing and praying for healing. Then loose the Holy Spirit. Invite them in. You do amazing things there. But then command that spirit that's normally attached to that emotion to leave. Tell it to go to Jesus' feet. It's right there on page four. And to do with it what Jesus wants, Charles Craft, who um, has influenced a lot of my material here. Here's a book, Defeating Dark Angels. He likes to use a locked box. So he puts spirits in a locked box, puts them at Jesus' feet, and says, Jesus, get rid of it. You know, wherever you want to put it, just get rid of it. So... The two main pieces against praying against the enemy, because you're already at a whole much, a whole uh, higher level of prayer, is bind the enemy so that you can pray for healing and then tell it to leave. Okay, those are the two things I would like. And here's what happened last night, and this is what I have heard over and over and over. I will ask people how they feel, and I'm looking for an emotion. Right? I'm happy, sad. You know whatever it might be, even last night, I feel lighter. Folks, these enemy, the enemy leaves. And as soon as the enemy leaves, it is lifted off of us. 
and we are lighter. And you can bring that into those around you, those you love, and people you don't even know that I promise you God's going to bring to you. So we are Jesus' hand and feet. And I'm going to pray for us. But I want you to walk out realizing several things. And what I wanted to have us think through today was, one, in combating the enemy, what worldview are you living by? Because it matters. When you walk into schools, your neighbor's homes, what do you see? What are you looking for? The other piece is using our authority. So that's the second thing. And then the third is bind and cast out the enemy. So I'm going to pray for us right now. Father God, I am just so excited because you have, you have called on this church to step up and step into this world. You have given the power and authority to go and do this and make a difference. And the thing with that is that if each of us brings it into our own little world of people we're connected to in the workplace and you begin putting them together, it becomes a bonfire. And so, God, we are asking that you would use this in incredible ways and press into our community so even Palatine changes. Lord, you're calling us to be your hands and your feet. You're calling us to be light, and we are light whether we realize it or not. So go, Holy Spirit, just come upon us. Just come fill us right now. And as we go out, Lord, just give us your heart and your mind and your eyes, Lord. Thank you. Angels protect every single person here and our families and extended families. In Jesus' name, amen.